Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast for product people. I'm Mark Stiving, a pragmatic marketing instructor and pricing expert. Today, we're joined by a fascinating guest, Daniel Cho. Now, Daniel happens to be in charge. He's director of marketing and global pricing at Philips. But the thing I like about Daniel is he frequently comments on my LinkedIn posts, and he's really, I make these real declarative statements, and Daniel is really comfortable pointing out where I'm wrong. So welcome, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. It's very exciting. Hey, uh, so, so how did you get into pricing? I, I didn't want to read your whole resume to everybody, but. So I started my career actually as a consultant, so management consultant working for Pricewaterhouse. Uh, and then I end up also joining multiple business before I become a salesperson. So I actually did pricing in the front end, delivering the price, get capturing the price. Uh, then I become um, kind of a sales development person for the Asia Pacific region. Then I move on to become a product manager in the BU side developing innovative solution for customers and also capturing from that end and also making sure I have a PNL that is that is interesting for my management then I become the market research person looking after market intelligence uh, and that's when I started to love pricing we do a lot of pricing research we did a lot of value proposition uh, work and which generate a lot of you know power for us to to claim the value from our customer through price as a tool. Uh, and then I lead pricing. I, I start to create my own pricing department since 2012 uh, with the support of the finance team, which used to do pricing. They just spin it off and say, Daniel, can you take care of pricing for us? So since then I become a pricing person. Uh, and then, yeah, that's what brings me here. Here's what I love about the path that you just described to us. Um, first off, you started out after the consulting, you went into sales and here you are trying to convince buyers that our product has value and that they should give us the price we're asking for. Hello, Pragmatic Live listeners. Did you know that we have helped more than 8,000 companies worldwide with our proven methodology and framework to put the Pragmatic Marketing Framework to work for your organization? Visit pragmaticmarketing.com slash buy. Now back to Mark and this week's episode of Pragmatic Live. Then you move into product management where you're defining what that next product looks like. And so you're trying to build products that actually have value so that buyers would pay us money. Absolutely. Then you move into product marketing or marketing research where now you're trying to say, I need to understand how buyers are thinking so that we can figure out what the right prices are to charge. And, and then the final, the final step is, okay, now that I have all these pieces down, let's just jump into pricing. Yes, it's actually, it's, if you know everything and including your competition, which is I'm also really passionate about collecting and distributing competitive data. Uh, and when you hold all this information, then pricing is easy. It's no longer difficult. Once you understand your customer, you understand your value proposition, understand how you deliver that message to your customer to make them perceive that value. Um, everything just works together well. And, and of course, you need to have a market research to quantify that. 
uh, that feeling. I mean, you have a feeling, but but you need to quantify it to the dollar and cents, and that's where market research still help me a lot uh, yes. to 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 make sure I make the right decision at the end. I'm sitting here with this huge smile on my face because I don't know if I've ever heard somebody say the words pricing is easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually easier than most people think. <laughs> hey, don't don't uh, break our myth, right? There's this aura around us pricing people that nobody understands. But, but you need all this expertise and that's where you come in um, because you need to fill the gap and, and not everyone walked the path I walked, uh, yeah, which is... Uh, I so often talk to people who start out in pricing, right? They start out by managing the price book and then they think they're pricing people, but they really don't understand the value. And the path you took is all about understanding value. I thought I think that's amazing. And, and to be able to understand how difficult it is to capture that value is important because if you do not provide enough material and, and, and also, you know, the, the, the differential value proposition for your salespeople and the tools for them to quantify, quantify that value in front of their customers, um, it's just an academic exercise. I mean, everyone can do value-based pricing. Mm -hmm. The hardest part is to do value-based selling and to sell that value to your customer. That's the hardest part. And if you never tried it yourself, you do not understand why they say it's not possible. And, and, and yeah, so you have to somehow build a bridge between, between, you know, between your value-based pricing, which I think you can do in many different methodologies, uh, to actually how people can show it to the customer and, and claim that value. And that's the hardest part is the translation, especially when you have you know, different geography and they perceive the value in a different way. So you need to localize also you know, how you do the, the, the value communication to different customer. Also, even different segment of your customer may perceive the value in a different way. If you have not tried yourself, if you have not touched this customer before, then it's difficult you know, to create this mapping. And, and I was very fortunate that I had walked that path. So I know the translation and we need to help the salespeople you know, by, by doing this translation. Yes. Fascinating. And, and so we're talking a lot about sales. Let's, let's dive in. What kind of tools do you give salespeople to help them understand your value? I assume it's relative to your competition and maybe tools that they share with buyers. What do you give them? So, I mean, you, you started off to let them understand. So what exactly are they selling? Because, I mean, you don't want to let them believe they are selling a product. You have to sell a solution, you know, something that help people to solve their problems or, you know, make them, make the problem go away for them. Yes. You, you, you sell that. I mean, don't sell a product, don't sell a feature because features don't get you anywhere. So if you sell data point, for example, I was just talking this afternoon with someone that, that tried to sell data. I said, you know, data itself worth nothing. It's, it's where that data get into the value stream that this person buying your data, they can earn money from your data. If you can get into that value stream, then you can claim a part of that value. But if you just sell them data, your value is very low because anyone can you know, open that pipe and, and pipe the data in. So you need to know, you know, how they use the data and how you, they can generate, you know, something with that data that generate for them some improvement in their KPI, either by more profit, either by better workflow, better outcome of their patient, you know, 
clinical performance, whatever they are generating on the other side has value and how much you can then, based on what you deliver to them, help them to deliver their value. And the more you can map the two, the easier you have that discussion because then you are just selling something that directly enable to their success. And the more you can map and link the two, the easier the conversation become. And, and a lot of our time is, the, it is to, to help the sales rep to develop this kind of translation. So a kind of a calculator that calculate something is, that is not very tangible into something that is tangible in euro, in number, in time that the customer can understand because customer, they see a problem and they want a solution in a certain way. Uh, and, and solving them in, in, in terms of you know, less time, more time, um, and, and, and quantity, you know, percentage, whatever they understand. And, and you should deliver directly to show them how that will be changed, either by improving, reducing. Um, and if you cannot quantify in their way of understanding, then, then, then they don't see the direct connection. So the, the hardest part is to help the sales rep to understand what KPI they're looking for and how can you start changing your feature and benefit into that KPI and look at how much impact you can create for them. The more direct the translation become, the, the discussion will be easier because then it's just an investment discussion. I mean, you invest in me, then you get your improvement directly as a result. It seems Otherwise, to be... Yeah. It, it, it seems to me that um, salespeople, and, and by the way, we just as normal people, we often mention a feature of a product and we assume that everybody understands what are the benefits or how's that going to return to the value of something, right? So if we were going to go buy a computer and uh, we walk into Best Buy and the Best Buy salesman says, so um, what are you going to use your computer for? Mm -hmm. And you say, I'm going to use it for email. And he goes, oh, um, this computer does a thousand emails a second or something like that, right? We, we just take the speed of the processor or the, the size of the memory. And these are features, but in our minds, we're internalizing them as, oh, that's going to work well for me for my problems. And that's because we seem to be experts at those things. And I put that in air quotes. You just didn't see that. Um, but so often we try to pitch that to customers and we make the assumption they know all this and they really don't. Exactly. I mean, that is, this is the biggest misalignment. It is you believe your customer can do the translation for you. In most cases, they do not. They also need a business case that they need to submit to the financial controller to get that check to buy your product. Yeah. So, but most of the time, they need your help to translate the solution in a way that the financial controller can understand because he understands, he, he's a buyer, he's a user. But sometimes he cannot explain in the term that the financial controller need to understand the return on investment, um, you know, return on invested capital. I mean, this kind of languages is where they fall short. And sometimes we have to help them to also build a business case. On the other side, they also have to show them the clinical value, the other value, which you have to translate your feature into that. Because this is what they are buying. They are buying improvements of certain things. They are not buying a product. They are buying something that helped them to do their work better or faster or 
Yeah, I think always, in, always know. I think in your world, this is this should be easier in the following sense. By the way, I haven't told the the audience you work for Philips Healthcare. I hope it's okay that I say that. And and so you work in the medical industry, meaning that when you sell products, you're trying to sell products that help people feel better, get healthier, and and that's the result that we want. But somehow you have to turn that to dollars. And are the buyers that want people to be healthier the ones focused on the dollars? Probably not. So we have to help them figure out how to do that. Yes. And uh, yeah, that, that is the biggest challenge because they are doctors. <laughs> doctors are not good financial people. <laughs> well, it's just not their field, right? It's not what they yeah, do. Yeah. They, they will not be able to generate a business plan or, or, or kind of a, 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 a marketing plan you know, to help the financial controller understand if you buy that, you, know, you will get a fantastic return. Uh, unfortunately, they cannot do that. And so someone has to do that for them. And this is where you know, the, the, the translation makes sense. So yeah. a lot of kind of calculation to build business plan for them. So they submit, if I buy from, okay, I, I, I try not to use the brand. <laughs> if okay. you buy from company A, <laughs> you get that much financial benefit you should buy from anyone else you you you, you will not get that and, and if there is a reason for people to believe it of course you have to provide some feature as an evidence but the feature is only the supporting it is a reason for people to believe you can deliver the value but feature is not the value right and, right. and, and most people use feature as value then they they are in like you say you know speed of the pc is not the value speed of the pc is the feature to make people believe you can deliver the value you committed because yeah, what you want to do, you need speed. Yeah. Then, and it's just an enabling, but it is not the value itself. So that's perfect. Hey, when you give salespeople tools, um, I'm, I'm imagining an ROI tool. I could see it two different ways. One way is you hand them, here's a case study. This is what companies like yours tend to get for return. Another is let's call it an ROI calculator where it's got blanks, fill in the blanks, let's figure out what your ROI would be. What do you tend to give salespeople and what do they like? So it depends on the end customer. I mean, some customer want to know the return on investment. I mean, financial controller will need it. Mm -hmm. Most of the people, they look at return on objective. So they have an objective to achieve. It may not be financial. It may not be a dollar term. So return on investment to most people, they don't understand or don't even appreciate. I mean, I don't care how, how when I'm going to return my investment. I'm, I need to know when can I do my job well? How, right. how can I get my objective? How can I, you know, have 1,000 patients per day versus, you know, if I can get my return back because to get my return back, the cheaper equipment is faster. And I don't want to just get my return, get my return, but not getting to my objective will not help me. You know, so to help me to understand how you can deliver my objective. And, and this is where I think the, 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 the tooling, it, it kicks in. So of course, a lot of people still need a return on investment. But on top of the investment, we also offer them the return on the objective. So look at your customer's objective. How can you help them to achieve the objective? How fast you can achieve that objective for them? Yeah. This is and so one of your roles is to make sure salespeople understands the objectives of the buyers they're going to be facing. And I asked that as a question, although that was a statement. 
<laughs> yes, this is also part of the the it's it's a, it's a preaching job. It's a missionary job. <laughs> you you need to also help them to understand why they need to sell in the, in this way because most salespeople are traditional feature selling people and they did it so well in the past but the world is changing and and and, and yeah to get them to adapt that change takes time so yeah a lot of times people that got it they they use it very effectively and this also come from my consultancy background consultants sell time and energy and result you know you have no product to sell so so how can you have features there's no feature so right by, by that background you learn how to communicate you know value as in how much i can deliver to you you know in 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 in, in, in you know saving in 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 hr saving in you know uh, errors reducing your your audit risk i mean these are the things that you are selling and it's the same thing now i mean you just try to bring your consultative kind of methodology into selling a solution but at the end of the day people buy the improvement people buy the you know the, the the safety, the reducing in in litigation. I mean, all these things. This is what people try to buy, not a product, not a feature. Well, that's absolutely true. Uh, how many how many products do you manage pricing for? <laughs> so I just counted it this morning. It was about four thousand. <laughs> and the reason that I I ask is. I love the way you think. I love what you've been saying about how we have to understand the objectives of our buyers and, and help them figure out how we're going to add value to them. But there's no way you know that for 4,000 products. No, no. Not every product can be value-based. I mean, forget about every product to be value-based. You can only have your leading innovation to be value-based and you have to do it right because you need to somehow scheme you know, a, a certain market segment, you know, get enough money so you can fund you, you know, for the non-value based pricing products, which you sell for volume. I mean, you can't put a value on salt. You can't put a value on sugar. I mean, there are certain products that has a well-established price in the market. You can't change the fact. So many things, if you are not being innovative, you do not have a differential value. Forget about value-based pricing. But for one that you have, you have to do it really well because that will generate you really strong um, you know, financial value and also a lot of profitability um, for, the, for the company. And this is where we focus. We focus on the 5% of the product yeah. that generate really big value. So it can fit into your R&D and everything that help you to sell the rest better and faster. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so, so can I both agree and disagree with you at the same time? Sure. I love the fact that you're going to spend your time on the 5% where they're super innovative. We're going to capture the most margin. This is where the profit, this is where big profit's going to come from. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, a, I'm not a fan at all of saying our products are commodities. I know you didn't say that. But I'm not a fan of saying that our products are commodities. They're not differentiated. No, it's, it's not commoditized, but the, the, the price is being established. So I, I, never, I, I, never, I never agree on commoditized. Food, even water. Water, <laughs> water is not a commodity. You can yeah. frame the water in different way and sell it at different price. You can sell it in a hotel at a different price than selling in the desert or selling it in, in, in your supermarket. Yeah. So even water, by framing it in a different way, you can create different value. And, and so no product is 
is completely commoditized. But there's a lot of product that has, has already a sticky price. Someone stick it in the head of your salespeople and the customers. And it's very difficult to move a sticky product you know, to, to a value-based selling because it's people already buying it for the last five years. Yep. They know what value it is. It's very difficult to change that. I mean, yep. buying an electric iron, for example, you know it's, it's going to charge, cost you that much for a different brand. It's, it's difficult to say, oh, you know, today, without changing the product, you will charge them double. <laughs> it, it, certain things are very difficult and I, we do not want to go into difficult path. Of course, everything is possible, but how much effort you have to put in. Yep. Uh, that is where we, we, we will try not to invest into things that are very difficult to do. Okay, we're back, we can, we're back yeah. to 100% agreement. <laughs> A lot of companies only sell these products that are highly competitive and, and they have no choice but to focus on how do we do value-based pricing with those types of products. Yeah, everyone wish they are Apple. I mean, who have 10 products to price? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And they are all innovative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you've got a, a, an ecosystem where everybody just buys from you because you're Apple. Yeah, the brand already sold most of it. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys have a good brand too, so that's certainly helpful for you. Yeah, actually we, we have a, I, I would say, very strong brand, in, in, especially in healthcare. Yes, yes. Um, well, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask if you were going to give a lesson to pricing people, what do you think is the most important pricing lesson you've learned in your career? What, what do you see companies fail at? And you say, oh, wow, when I learned that, it just changed my way of thinking. So one thing that we find out that, that the worst you can do um, for pricing is to ask your salesperson what price you should set it to. <laughs> I, my recommendation is don't listen to salespeople. Go directly to your customers and, and, and really you know, have an in-depth discussion. Understand what wake them up at night and also what wake them up in the morning. So their excitement, their, 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 their ambition, as well as the problem that they're facing that you know, worry them you know, night and day. If you understand that enough, knowing they have an objective to solve that problem or pursue that um, that, 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 that ambition, then you can start talking about, okay, are you willing to buy? And if you're willing to buy, are you willing to pay at that level? If we promise you, we can deliver that value to you. So that is where I believe uh, a lot of people fail because they always go to the market, ask the market people how much you believe you can sell. And they always look at the competition. They establish a price based on what they know about your competition, which is a terrible thing to do. Most of your competitor also have no clue what the price is and the value. Yes. So they just make up their price. And if you follow someone that randomly throw out the price, then you also get into this unnecessary, you know, spiral of downfall. And if you know your value well, you can hold on to your price. This is what, you know, company like Apple can do and, and, and we can do as well. I mean, every pricing person can do if you understand your customer enough, knowing the value of your product, you can hold that price. You do not have price erosion. If you can and, hold that back. And you started this answer out with, um, don't ask your salespeople about price. And, and then as you went on to explain it, it seems to me like what you said was salespeople don't really understand the value or they're not going to take the time to learn the value of the product. Is that? 
No, but they focus too much only on competition most of the time, majority. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not talking about 100%. I mean, when I was a salesperson, right. I focused on value. I mean, there are exceptions. Majority of the times, they only focus on the next competitor and the deals that they lost the last time. And they always base on that price as in their head. This may be, you know, the one of the... 5% of the deals that the competitor is lower to that price point, but they will always think this is going to be the future ASP, average selling price from the competitors. And they communicate like that to, to, to the central pricing team. If you set your price, your average price against people's worst nightmare price, then you are just created a price war. Yes. <laughs> because, because then your sales rep will have a range to play and they will play on the lower range. Then the competitor will look at it and say, oh, by the way, you know, they are selling at now lower than me. Let me sell lower than them. You just pushing your, your, yourself into the spiral. Um, so focus not on the competitor. Focus on your customer and the value that you deliver to that customer when you do pricing. That's really needed. Uh, and people that focus on the salespeople's comment alone will 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 at most of the times you know start losing the value very fast yes. because because they were focusing on the wrong side um that's my wish to see <laughs> well i agree with that completely well daniel thank you so much for your time today um, if anybody wants to contact you how can they do that look me up in linkedin Daniel Cho Phillips, that should be the only one. I, you and I have spent a lot of time talking on LinkedIn, so uh, I know he's active there. You'll find him. Yes. <laughs> to our okay. listeners, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, what did you think? Let us know. Send an email to experts at pragmaticmarketing.com. And most importantly, don't forget to join us for the next episode of Pragmatic Live. Pragmatic Live.